RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Take yourself back to August 2022, August last year, and the story of Rebel News Australia journalist Avi Yemeni, who was planning to come here to cover the protest at Parliament by Brian Tamaki and co. Except when he arrived at the airport, things changed. And he didn't make it here. And it's been a bit of a convoluted story to get to this point, where he basically now has the last word on that. Avi Yemeni joins me right now from Australia, though he'll be here soon, and there'll be more about that on RCR as that uh, visit gets closer. Avi, welcome to our program. Thanks for giving us a few mins. Thanks for having me, mate. Okay, so just rewind, I think, to August last year. Plenty of people are familiar with what happened. You were intending to come here to cover some demonstration activity at uh, Parliament in Wellington, New Zealand. You, you got as far as, what, the Qantas check-in? Was that right? Absolutely. Qantas check-in and, um, yeah, my passport was flagged. The Qantas staff said they'd never seen this before. They were as surprised as I was. And, um, yeah, immigration over the phone let me know that they, they were not letting me into New Zealand or onto the flight to New Zealand because um, they were exercising some power that uh, they'd read an article uh, only days earlier from the New Zealand Herald um, that said that I was a, a, a convicted criminal. So then I was uh, that they were ex- they were able to exercise that power to ban me. Yeah. Did you have any inkling that something like this might happen, or was it completely out of the blue? No, no, I, I did have a little bit of an inkling because obviously we saw um, the hit piece in the New Zealand Herald by. Uh, without a byline. So an article published on the Saturday uh, a couple of days before we were travelling there where um, obviously Chantelle Baker had posted on Telegram or something that, she, that she'd spoken to me and that we, 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 she heard that we intended on coming to cover that protest. Um, and so there was this entire article trying, trying to convince the, the state to ban us. Um, you know, so and and word for word, almost everything that the the uh, immigration were in their internal communications that, that came out after the fact through freedom of information requests, it was everybody's arguments were word for word that New Zealand Herald article. And uh, look, it's taken so long for them to essentially overturn that decision. And I, I said in the beginning, I said they'll overturn it. it. It was just about, it was a matter of time. They just wanted to drag it out as long as possible in the hope that, you know, I, I would lose interest in coming um, and it would be nothing. <laughs> Little did they know they actually helped me out because at the end of the day, back in August 22, August last year, that protest, if you remember, was kind of a nothing burger. Yeah, that's so right. So we would have got some interviews. Yeah. We would have talked to some people. Um, and we would have been gone. It would have been nothing spectacular. Now, thanks to Jacinda Ardern's government, um, you know, they created this whole thing where, firstly, I didn't really have any following in New Zealand. We'd never really done any work in New Zealand prior to that. And suddenly we've got this whole mailing list. We've got this whole following in New Zealand who are upset because they saw exactly what had happened. They don't have to necessarily even agree with, the, with my um, political stances or positions on stuff, but they saw what happened clearly because it was all in black and white no matter no matter who tried to 
um, cover it up or who avoided reporting it or who chose what to report it. The fact is that the, the, the media with the government conspired to ban an alternate media, a, a media company, a journalist that um, basically doesn't toe the government's line. In fact, it was their wording that I have a propensity to agitate people with other views. Yeah. Think about what that means. Well, that is, that is mind-boggling. Clearly, they've been watching your content, Arby, and they know how you can reach people and the sort of journalism you do, and they don't want a bar of that. I've got to ask you about the Herald piece that you that had no byline. Do you yes. think that was planted in that publication? Was that a setup? Was that part of the the thing? Like as in a government setup orchestrated? Well, you know, it's convenient to have that story with that timing. Okay, maybe they saw a, a post by Chantel Baker, but that was if the government were going to leverage off that story, it was convenient to have it. I'm just wondering if there's some sort of, you know, working... Yeah, look, I don't know which... I, I, don't, I haven't seen any evidence that it, it started from the government and went that way, but I, I think it, it doesn't really matter which way, whether it was the government or the, they, they share the same, um, you know... Goals uh, that you know they they both for the for 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 different but the same reasons don't want me to come to New Zealand. The media, on a simple level, don't want Rebel News there because they saw what happened in Australia and they they've seen through the pandemic. While um, the mainstream media in New Zealand enjoyed, uh, you know, besides for the free money from the government, they also enjoyed probably some of their highest ratings because everyone was glued to their screen. Now, in Australia, we had a different story because of what we do at Rebel and a couple of other alternative media like Rukshan. Um, the mainstream media didn't own the narrative. There was other, there were other voices, there were other platforms, and people were tuning in to myself and Rukshan and a few others um, during that period. And so, so, so it's understandable that the media, the first thing they want to do is ban me yeah. because I'm a threat. I'm a threat to their business model. Um, and they have a pretty pretty good business model. They get to take money from the government, plus they get to, you know, control the narrative because the government scratches, they scratch their back, the government scratches their back. back. It's, it's like a corrupt system you have there. And I was the biggest threat. And the government was only happy to oblige because they also don't want to be challenged. They have a media that's compliant that they own. So obviously having someone like me um, is uncomfortable. But... It all backfired in the end because mm. at the end of the day, like I said before, I would have come there, covered a couple of stories. It would have been great. I would have enjoyed it. Um, but uh, they thought essentially they were going to silence me by, by stopping us. And that's not how it ended up. That's not how it's turned out because at the end of the day, firstly, we saw everything um, come out from those Freedom of Information documents um, as well as that Interpol leak. And when we realized what was actually going on, I confidently told everybody, I guarantee you they're not going to go to court because essentially until now, I couldn't take them to court because you need to be, you need to actually be um, rejected on a visa. And what they did was they just didn't allow me entry on, a, on, on essentially a visa waiver as an Australian. Um, and so then they said, you need to apply for a visa now. And tell me in which, in which world it takes a year for an Australian. Yeah. To apply and get approved for a visa because she has a minor 
criminal conviction, one that doesn't meet the threshold on any level. And it was just interesting. At the time, they tried to blame that, and they said that it was up to me to explain, to prove that, that it hadn't met the threshold. But what we now know, or what we knew soon after from those documents, is that they knew from they knew before I even got there that, that, that my criminal conviction um, didn't meet the threshold. So uh, it didn't even come close. It's like a summary offence for a crime, by the way, that I can finally speak about I did not commit. Um, it was a crime that I pled guilty to for my kids' sake, but you can read that all in my new book at rebelfromthestart.com that thanks to them that, that they'll be helping to promote. So Jacinta Ardena, like I owe her gratitude at the end of the day and I'm going to bring, just in case she comes to one of the book launches either in uh, Wellington or Auckland, yeah. a signed copy for Jacinta Ardern because she's certainly earned it. Well, she's um, now doing her own book. You could swap uh, uh, book launches perhaps yeah. at some point along the way. Look, my, my, mine today as we speak is the bestseller booking across all categories in Australia and New Zealand. So, well, Congratulations. Jacinda, Jacinda, Jacinda's going to have to compete with me. <laughs> All right. Um, so they must have thought that demonstration you're coming to was going to be a lot bigger. It turned out not to be that way. So that really didn't count in the end. So what? what's the impression you left with, Arby? You were dealing with, what, serially dumb, dishonest people? Dishonest? Um, I don't know if they're dumb. Well, they are dumb. On well, they knew that they were not going to win I, with this, right? So they knew this would happen at some I, point. I think, they, I think they thought, I think they underestimated me and us and my supporters, they thought they could get away with... They thought they were above the law and they could get away with the crime. And what we showed them is, no, um, you're not going to get away with it. I won't let up. you got to understand, one of the things, the thing that, that, that held it up at the end was they wanted me to do this um, fingerprint check from Australian Federal Police, which takes about three months to get an appointment. And when we asked, you know, the lawyer, I said, well, do we have to do that? Like, why, why do we need that? And, you know, they have, because we have the documents that shows that they, they've spoken to the federal police themselves and they've gotten themselves my criminal record, but they didn't need to get it. And, 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 they, and we, we, our lawyer basically said to the um, New Zealand Immigration, look, the next appointment is in three months, which they know because they only do these. It's very hard to get these appointments. And um, so do we really need to do this? Because you have the details from from we can see here in these freedom of information requests that you've actually spoken to the federal police and they've given you exactly the details you're after. And their response was back, oh, no, we, we, we require a formal documentation, as in their one was informal, behind the scenes, right. asking them, and they got a response within a day. My one, they want a formal one, which takes about five, six months. I was just hoping that their delay tactic would convince me not to come. But, again... The perfect timing. I finished my book and I thought, <laughs> yeah, whether you believe in God or not, yeah. that's some sort of message. Isn't Mate, yeah. Yeah. I thought, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, where do I launch this book? And I, I cannot think of a more perfect place than the censorship capital of the world. <laughs> that's what I'm called, the Western world at least, yeah. the, that try to silence any dissonance. You know, they, they act like they're better than North Korea. They're not. They're the same. They just they, they they just do it with a smile. At least North Korea stands by by their position of shutting down dissidents. Here, 
they tried to shut down dissidents, and 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 at the end of the day, I think um, I'm I'm happy with how it's panned out because I'm happy that uh, the launch is actually going to end up happening in New Zealand. Yeah. And I look forward to seeing all your listeners there. Those that want to get tickets, we need to do tickets, obviously. Um, rebelfromthestart.com. You can get the book and there's tickets to the actual event. I'd love to see everyone there. Um, the details of the actual venues we'll, we'll, we'll send out to ticket holders, um, just in case Chanel Lau wants the plan to come. We, we've got to let those tough men um, keep them on their toes because the last person that uh, tried to visit their country... They chased her out. Um, I doubt yeah. they're going to... Well, I can guarantee you they're not going to get that response from us. Um, we're going to come and we're going to proudly do our event and with no fear. And I look forward to seeing, seeing all your listeners there. Now, that's great. That's um, very ironic that the New Zealand taxpayer ended up paying for substantially the promotion of your book. <laughs> ah, it's, it's amazing. That, that's... Listen, I, I reckon that Fair your enough. listeners feel like that was that was better spent money than, than the amount of money that they gave the uh, New Zealand press through their all their different uh, special payments throughout COVID um, from the Jacinta Ardern government, which I'm assuming is probably still continuing. Well, it um, is. It's better, it's, it's better money. No, no, so that, that's all I was saying. Is I, I think yeah. your listeners will probably be more comfortable with the fact that the government spent all this money promoting uh, our book, rather than uh, the, the rest of the money they've wasted on the mainstream media and yeah. the state media in your country. So I look forward to seeing you all there. Okay, and just last question. How did you find out? Was it um, who, who actually contacted you? Was it through lawyers or did the government department? Yeah, we were... No, no, so, so when... I don't even... I think I didn't answer that first question you asked. If I had an inkling was going to happen, yes, because we saw the New Zealand Herald, and straight away we retained a lawyer and an immigration right. agent. Immediately, that's what we did because we had the feeling. And at that time, they checked everything and said, no, you're good, you're kosher, it's not going to happen, that's crazy. Um, so even they were shocked that it did happen. Yep. Um, and so they've been working with us throughout from from day dot, uh, and that was thanks to a lot of the a lot of New Zealand support that we got from New Zealanders that wanted wanted uh, justice in this case, and we were willing to go as far as we had to, but I told people back then, once we got the uh, Freedom of Information documents and we saw their internal communications, I knew they weren't going to go to court. They were just going to drag it out as long as they could yeah. without going to court. So, again, going to court then. If, if, they'd come, if they'd come back now and said, no, we're not granting it, then we could go to court. Um, but this was the end of the road. They had to make a decision and uh, they let us know through the, our, our representation. All right. Well, great to hear it firsthand and well done, and I'm sure you're feeling good about that. So, uh, And we look forward to hearing more about your visit here and, and launching your book. It's going it's to be Absolutely. quite an ironic twist Absolutely. at the end of it all. There you go. All Thanks, right. mate. Thank Thanks, you, Arby. Arby Yemeni, thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.